Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And now, the story studio Hawk and Cleaver presents The Witching Hour. The Witching Hour is brought to you by The Mysteries to Die For podcast. It starts with a body, suspects line up. All have motive, but which one killed? Mysteries to Die For is the podcast for mystery lovers. Season 3 contains the first stories of series detectives like Sherlock Holmes, Monsieur Lecoq and Hercule Poirot. Can you find the killer before these masters stage their grand reveals? Subscribe to Mysteries to Die For wherever you get your podcasts and put your skills to the test. That's the Mysteries to Die For podcast. The Twins, written by Andy Conduit-Turner, performed by Alexandra Elroy. The time was upon them at last. Twelve masked figures circled the fire as it began to take on an ethereal hue, and a hush fell upon the group. In turn, each took a drink from the chalice handed to them. Some cast tokens into the fire, before all spoke the words in unison as midnight struck. Lucille watched the ritual unfold from the tree line. She needed no invite, nor directions. She had been here, waiting for this moment, for ten years. We gathered souls, called those eternal. Heed our pleas, this time infernal. Grant those worthy with your boundless power their hearts desire this witching hour. 
and those whose metal may not suffice, may you claim their lives in sacrifice. As the final words were spoken, a bolt of lightning shot from the cloudless sky, striking the fire, enraging the silver flames. Lucille watched the circle to see the reactions of those gathered. For some, it was their instruction to move, the starter's pistol to set them off on their races towards destiny. Others flinched, the slender rabbit bolted, and the one wearing neon paused to laugh to himself before melting into the shadows. The figure she was most interested in moved with purpose, his breathing steady, deliberate. She heard him exhale as he passed by, almost threw her as he marched into the deepening wood. He either didn't hear the cry for help from the lioness, or was too focused to care. Even had Oliver not worn the same mask as he had ten years ago, Lucille would recognize her brother anywhere. She paused for a moment to muse on the fact that he was now physically her senior by a number of years, having spent all of her life being her junior by a number of minutes. Oliver's determined stride saw him reach the fallen tree swiftly. Lucille dwelled here least of all the parts of the wood since the day they had fallen. She had lost track of whether this was through some grief or a misplaced sense of embarrassment. Still, tonight it had to be here. Kneeling at the stump, Oliver spoke. He likely assumed to no one. I'm back, Luce. I almost didn't, but I had to see you. Thank you, big brother. Oliver tumbled to the side, startled as Lucille spoke softly from over his shoulder. But any fear she had sparked in him disappeared as he saw her. In becoming visible, she glowed in the same iridescent silver imbued into the flames back at the clearing. She still wore the same clothes as she had in her last moments of life, long concealing robes and a theatrical mask, marking out the left side of her face while shrouding the right side in inky blackness. Oliver fumbled with words as he reached to lift his own mask, the matching opposite of his sister's, two halves of a complete face. Lucille raised a hand. He paused. Thank you for coming here. I knew that you would. Luz, who was it? What did they do? His voice wavered with emotion as he tried to voice questions he had been asking to no avail for a decade. Shh, now. Lucille drew closer to her brother, who remained kneeling, her arms outstretched. Now that you're here, we can take care of everything. Together. She wrapped her arms around him and took control. Lucille took a moment to adjust to the weight of being in a body, the sudden effort involved in movement, even breathing. Standing, she looked down at her brother's, no, her hand, as she balled it into a fist. Oliver wasn't gone, he was an echo, somewhere in the back of her mind, like a name on the tip of your tongue, he was simultaneously remembered and forgotten all at once. Turning, she headed on a tangent from the trail Oliver had started along as the hour began. She would find those she was looking for walking their own paths. As she moved, she felt her balance was askew. A weight tugged at her belt, and something tapped at her thigh as she stepped. Investigating, Lucille smiled. 
Her brother was not as naive and ill-prepared as they had both been last time. Pulling the hatchet free, she swiped at a low-hanging branch and strode onwards as it fell harmlessly out of her path. Moving west from Oliver's starting position, Lucille expected to encounter Marcus first. Marcus was, in short, a no-one. The twins had known him since primary school, but he'd entered a goth phase at 15 which he'd never left. As far as Lucille knew or cared, he'd only ever attended the ritual of the witching hour to give himself some semblance of having an edge, and she doubted he'd grown any new ambition in the last ten years. He wasn't responsible for her death, but he'd make for an adequate test. She heard him crashing around long before she saw him, tangled in a web of brambles and creeping vines. Despite finding himself utterly trapped to the point of near immobility, he continued to stomp and thrash something unseen, stopping as he saw her approach. <laughs> Holy man, am I glad to see you. Help me, help me swat these fuckers, man. He paused to lunge pointlessly at nothing. Yeah, one of them has the key to these chains. Lucille stepped forward silently and eyed Marcus as he strained against his bond. Gripping the expanded snout of the operatic jester's mask that covered Marcus's face, she pulled it away. He was older, more filled out than in his teenage years, but otherwise the same as ever. His eyes were wild, bloodshot, his pupils not more than pinpoints as his eyes darted around, tracking whatever it was he was seeing. He continued to make chaotic, jerky movements, seemingly not noticing his mask had been removed or even the thorns that scratched and dug into his exposed face as he struggled. Lucille was sure he didn't notice her raise the hatchet. What are you doing? Somewhere, Oliver's voice cried out in impotent protest, but he remained firmly a passenger. With a jerk, Lucille retrieved her weapon from Marcus's skull and continued further west, where she expected to find a real focus for her hatred. The web of thorned plants that barred the way were no match for her rage. After ten years, nothing would stand in her way. As she hacked her way through the undergrowth, she felt the whisper of her brother reaching for her with questions. While there was no strain against her control, she found that their conversation spilled out of her mouth. What's happening, Luce? What did you make me do? Nothing that isn't right. Trust me. Who was it that, you know, killed you? I came back to find out. Oliver had always been the thinker, the one to ask questions, not one for action. This was why it had to be this way. If Oliver had his way, the hour would be over before a single one of them had paid for her death all those years ago. In many ways, it felt like only yesterday. In others, a lifetime. Time was different now, but she'd had plenty to think about tonight, arranging every piece, planning every step. Nothing would interfere. There's no time, Ollie. I know what needs to be done to make things right. I've been here so long. Please trust me. Oliver's mollified spirit retreated to a mere whisper, in the same way waters in a pan calm when removed from the heat. She still had him, and not a moment too soon. As she scrambled out the thicket and into a field of wild grass and flowers, she spied a familiar figure wheeling around in a state of confusion at the centre. She approached quietly through the grass. 
circling slightly to remain at Sunita's back as she drew closer. Sunita wore the mask of a rabbit as she had before. Annoyingly, she seemed to have remained in similar athletic shape, too. Lucille would have loved nothing more than to see the look on her face as she snuffed out her former best friend. But she'd have more fight in her than the strung-out and doughy Marcus. She drew closer, within fifteen feet now. Just a few more steps. She eyed the back of Sunita's neck, tunnel vision. She adjusted her grip on the hatchet. Sunita. Damn it, Oliver. She should have known. Oliver? Is that you? What's going on with your mask? Lucille felt Oliver's strain, making an attempt to control her body. This would have to be close enough. She wrestled her striking arm backwards. Run! The words exploded from her mouth through her gritted teeth. She swung and missed as Sunita took off like a bullet in the opposite direction. In an extra act of defiance, Oliver loosened her grip on the hatchet and it slipped out of her hands into the grass below. By the time Lucille recovered her weapon, Sunita was already halfway to the tree line. Lucille bolted after her. Fueled by her anger, she was gaining, but not fast enough. With a last effort and a roar of frustration, she hurled the hand axe after her, but succeeded only in embedding it in a tree and spurring her target to race faster into the woods. But the words were her domain now. They would guide her. She would catch her and make her pay for everything, her and the rest. As Lucille slowed back to a brisk walk and retrieved the hatchet, she caught sight of a figure watching from the bushes. The domino mask and the cape left no room for doubt that it was little Jenny. Once again, wading headlong into things she doesn't fully understand, with dreams of being a hero. The little hero froze as she saw them looking right at her, her head torch making her a perfect target to aim for. It would be a perfect test to see if she could avoid her brother from struggling. But she had something far better in mind for this one. Lucille gave a grunt and turned away from the little hero, continuing after Sunita in the direction she had fled, toward the gravel pit. The words were alive with the sounds of the witching hour as Lucille moved through them. Over the stillness of the night she heard distant cries of anguish, screams of terror, the wailing of a baby. She focused on each of them in turn as a method of drowning out the mutters from her brother that tumbled from her own mouth. Why, Sunita? She was your friend. I knew she had nothing to do with what happened. I know. Hush now. She spoke to her brother forcefully as she began to hear signs of a struggle up ahead. She listened intently as she drew closer. Even at this distance, she could make out the venomous hiss of that filth-peddling Ryan's voice. He had a squirming figure pinned down below him. Whatever had happened between the pair, it was about to end in his favour. As Ryan raised a blade to deliver a coup de grace, Lucille moved in quietly. Ryan barely had a moment to scream, let alone react as the hatchet bit into his shoulder. With her now empty hand, Lucille plucked the hunting knife from Ryan's loosening grip, 
pulled him close with her left arm and began plunging the blade into his back with the right. Over and over and over she struck, losing count after the first twenty. The keen blade and the strength of her commandeered body made it feel all but effortless. His flesh put up no resistance, and each hit felt wetter as more blood escaped from its wretched container. Not even Oliver protested this one. As she felt his body begin to become a dead weight, she shifted her grip to Ryan's hair. Holding him upright, she thrust the blade into his neck, surging with adrenaline. She hacked and dug and tore, until with a mighty wrench she pulled his head clean off. The killing seemed to strengthen her. Her hold on Oliver's body felt absolute. She couldn't even hear him now. His voice drowned in the blood she had spilled. Her heart pounded as she looked down, first at Ryan's twitching corpse and then at the prone form of his intended victim, as she stared up at her. Perhaps it was, yes, Joanna the Junkie. Her head, wrapped in the ragged patchwork mask, was wobbling as it looked like she struggled to remain conscious. Looking at the marks that riddled her ruined arms, Lucille considered that finishing her off here might be a kindness, but something... Something other than her brother, the passenger, held her back. Joe was meant for something else. Besides, it was nearly time. Oliver's watch showed it was nearly 12.50. You're welcome, Lucille growled before shoving Ryan's body with her boot, sending it ragdolling over the edge and helplessly down into the gloom of the gravel pit below. As if by way of reward, Lucille caught the sound of rustling from nearby Bracken. Turning instinctively, she hurled Ryan's head towards the sound and sent Sunita tumbling, panicked from her hiding place, launching crooked. The athlete tripped over a rock and sprawled awkwardly on the floor for a moment before scrambling back to her feet. Run, rabbit! Lucille snarled as she made after Sunita as she ran, now limping slightly away right back in the direction of the ritual fire. Sunita was still quick, but now with an injury and with Lucille feeling more alive than she ever had, she was gaining on her. Had Lucille really sprinted, she might have been able to catch her here, but she took her time, held back and waited for just the right moment. At a few points, Sunita banged left or right, taking a route which would lead in the wrong direction. But like a skilled predator, Lucille manoeuvred around her prey, pulling her back on course. Finally, the silver flames came into sight as they approached the clearing. Now! Lunging forward with her free hand, Lucille caught a handful of Sunita's hair at the roots, yanking her backwards to scream in her ear, This is your fault! With a growl, she plunged the hunting knife into her penultimate target's thigh, prompting a pained shriek. No more running. With a twist, Lucille violently bounced Sunita's head once, then again, off the bark of the nearest tree, her cries losing their energy and becoming little more than mumbles as she knocked her insensible, before throwing her sprawling into the clearing, coming to rest at the edge of the fire. She glanced at Oliver's watch as she knelt to pick up the rock. 12.58. Time to end this. Walking into the clearing, it had clearly already been the scene of plenty of action. A charred body lay being consumed by the silver flames. 
there were others approaching the periphery of the ritual site. They didn't matter now. She held the rock above her head in both hands as she prepared to deliver the final blow. Inside, Oliver made an attempt to hold her back. He spoke again. She didn't have anything to do with what happened to you. Just stop. I was with her the whole... Exactly. With her. Following your latest pathetic crush instead of watching your own sister's back. Uh, I'm just as responsible as she is. As Ryan for spiking the chalice that sent us all out of our minds. As anyone. But this is my time. Oliver weakened. Lucille leaned back. I wished that I'd find a way to bring you back. To make things right. Well, congratulations. You got your wish, and through it I will have mine. She brought the rock down as hard as the body could throw it. Sunita's mask and much below it shattered with a single blow. Satisfied the deed was done, she departed her wailing brother, leaving him to his own punishment for failing her. The Witching Hour is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver, directed by Andy Conduit-Turner. Tonight's episode, The Twins, was written by Andy Conduit-Turner and performed by Alexandra Elroy. Music, sound and editing are all by Duncan Muggleton, with additional sound effects from freesound.org. Our entire series is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which, legend has it, means don't sell it, don't edit it, don't use it as a codex to translate a long dead language, but you can share it as much as you'd like. Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.